Today's episode is brought to you by Drift Outfitters in downtown Toronto, Ontario. Drift Outfitters is your source for all things fly fishing. From waders and boots to thread and feathers, Drift has it all. They're now open for in-store shopping, but with a COVID times twist. Along with mandatory masks, a few other things have changed. So check in on their website to find their latest updates and policies. Safety first, fly fishing second. Curbside pickup for your online or phone orders is still a great way to get all the gear you need, and they're still shipping across Canada for free on orders over 100 bucks. Visit driftoutfitters.com to learn more. Hello and welcome to another episode of So Fly. It is uh, September, the beginning of September, and uh, we're back in the studio recording another show. My name is Mitch, and we've got Aldo. Hello, everyone. And uh, we're super excited today to be talking to uh, another guest from uh, from the states today. We're up here in, in Canada, uh, and we're talking to uh, we're talking to Jen Ripple. Jen is the she's the editor in chief and publisher of the uh, international fly fishing lifestyle magazine Done Magazine, um, and she also sits on a number of fly fishing boards. Um, she, she's a member of the board of directors of fly fishing international. Um, she's a former member of the board of directors for the American fly fishing trade association. Uh, and she's a huge advocate, uh, for getting women into fly fishing, which is awesome. And we met her through, uh, our new friend, Susan Thrasher, who we had on the show a couple episodes ago. Jen, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me. Yeah. We're super excited to chat today about all the stuff you do. I mean, you're, you're obviously a huge, uh, advocate of the fly fishing culture and world. Um, whereabouts are you calling in from today? I'm calling in from Dover, Tennessee, which is where my house and office is. So, um, yeah, you had Susan on. She's a little bit, uh, she's much closer to Nashville than I am. I'm in an area called the land between the lakes, which is the largest inland peninsula in the United States. Oh, wow. Whoa. Yeah. Got to be some good fish in there. Okay, we'll mix that up. Yeah, look it up. Um, so I actually am fortunate to live on 10 acres and my 10 acres backs up to that public land. So oh, wow. my backyard is 180,000 acres. Oh my God, that's amazing. <laughs> I know, right? I, I always say I have 31 boat ramps in my backyard. <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Oh my God. So have you have you been out fishing recently? Uh, wow, have you been so able cool. to get onto the water? Uh, yeah, so, uh, you know, I live on Kentucky Lake and you might've heard of Kentucky Lake before. Kentucky Lake is um, where professional bass anglers win millions of dollars every oh, okay. year. Mm. And yeah, so it's a really big um, bass lake. But lately we've had a big influx of Asian carp, which has really oh. been detrimental. So we're fighting those. Um, but, but the water temperature is super, super warm right now. It's very warm in Tennessee. And so the fishing has been kind of crappy, <laughs> oh, <laughs> to yeah. be honest. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. I mean, it happens. Um, yeah. Asian carp, though, that's crazy. Like, is that is that just like a new thing that's kind of flared up? You know, I moved here four years ago and it was not bad. And I would say in the last two years, it's gotten really, really bad. In fact, um, mm. so the land between the lakes is made up by a peninsula. Um, on, one, on the west side, it's the Tennessee River that is dammed to create Kentucky Lake. And on the right side or on the east side, it's uh, the Tennessee River, uh, the Cumberland River that's dammed to create Lake Barkley. Okay. And so um, in Barkley, there are a lot of the jumping carp that like, you know, will jump yeah. in your boat and mm-hmm. do some damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the predominant carp that's in Barkley. And then um, in Kentucky Lake, they have um, the ones that don't jump into your boat as much, but they're just so many. There's There's got to be millions of them in there. I mean, you can't even use your electronics without uh, seeing just 
huge pods of Asian carp. Oh my god! Wow, that's wild. That's wild. Yeah. I'm, what do you know? What else is wild? I'm I'm, I'm looking at land between the lakes. It, you're right. It's like a yeah. It's a perfect peninsula. Yeah. It's amazing. It I is. Wonder. I. Who knew, right? I mean, I moved here sight unseen um, from Chicago. Just okay. literally got in my car, uh, was like, opened up a map and was like, oh, look at all that water. There's got to be a town there. And look at how great the fishing must be there. And found a little <laughs> town of Dover. There. And, uh, yeah, right. And I, yeah. I went on Craigslist and was like, are there any houses for rent? Because I was like, I don't know this place. I'm not going to buy a house right away. Yeah. So I drove down with my mom, was in the town for like 20 minutes and said, okay, I'll take the house. The house that I now own, and um, awesome. went back, packed everything up, drove down here, moved in, went into town to buy a bottle of wine, and I'd moved to a dry county. <laughs> oh no way! Oh no! <laughs> yeah, I had no idea there was such a thing coming from Wisconsin and Chicago. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I spent enough time in Chicago that yeah, uh, definitely not a dry city. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, man. That's oh man. Oh, that's funny. Well, well maybe, you know, oh. Yeah, I was, well, what were you going to say, Ola? Please. I'd probably about the same thing you were going to say, which is, that, well, there sounds like, I mean, we've got a lot to unpack here because I'd love to talk about the area that you fish in. Yeah. And I know, Mitch, you were probably about to say something about, let's start talking about your fly fishing life and then get into all the work you do. Yeah. Yes. As well. Yeah, like how did you even get started in fly fishing? Like, why don't we go right back to the start? Yeah, sure. So I came in through the back door of fly tying. Um, oh. I was oh. living, yeah, I was living in Ann Arbor, Michigan. And uh, one really cold winter, I was looking for something to do. And the local fly shop had a fly tying class. And I honestly didn't even really know what that was, but thought it sounded much more interesting than like crocheting or something. So uh, I went to the fly shop and for my first class. And I absolutely fell in love with everything that was fly at that moment, it was like I was home. It was like what I was supposed to do. So I started, um, that was awesome. in the winter time. So I tied flies all winter long that year. And then uh, as soon as the ice was off the Huron River, I would just leave my work and go right into the river and just spend hours and hours teaching myself to fly fish. Oh man, that's amazing. You got started fly tying. Like I think that's the first time I've ever heard that happen. Yeah, it's backwards, it's but so cool. it worked for me. Yeah, that's wicked. <laughs> Do you remember what your first fly was that you tied? Oh, it was a woolly bugger for oh, sure. Oh yeah, love that. Right, of course, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love it. I love it. So when was the first time you got onto the water? Like, cause you were tying flies. So did you just grab a rod and just jump in? Yeah. So I, um, you know, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I was doing and I only knew what I had gleaned from the people that were in my fly time class. And so, and at the fly shop. So I, uh, at that time I wasn't like really, really didn't have that much money. So, um, I went on Craigslist and bought a five weight rod and reel and line. And, uh, actually I took the, took it all into the fly shop and they were like, Oh no, that's not the right line. You need to buy this hundred dollar yeah. gold line right here. And so, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, so I did that and I will say it made a world of difference. Sure, right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but my first rod was the Sage light line with mm. a Ross Gunnison reel, one of the old Gunnison reels, and I loved it. And from that moment forward, I just collected every single light line that Sage made in every single weight. Yeah. And um, and then I started, like, you know, when I started getting different gear and newer gear, I started liquidating those rods, and they were literally worth more than what I had purchased them for. They were they had, like, a cult following, and, oh, and wow. for good reason. Wow. Yeah. wow, I've never fished those rods. Like, what, like what, what's, what is it like fishing with them? Like, what makes them special? 
Uh, you know, they're just really responsive and they are the perfect rod. They have a really great action. They're yeah. a softer rod. In fact, Sage, ju Sage just came out with the light line again. They just started making the light line. Oh, nice. It's a rod that was made originally like in the 90s. Okay. Mm. Okay. I was just about to ask, I think, yeah, if you're a rod aficionado, I think you can put together your timeline. But I was going to say, how long ago was that fish? <laughs> well, I guess the 90s then. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. <laughs> So fly fishing really kind of just took over and, and you just jumped in. Like, did where, where did it go from there? Like, was it just like love, you're into it, fishing all the time? Or was it sort of a slower progression? Yeah, every single day after work um, yeah. that I was like able to, I was in the river. I mean, literally, I worked mm. at the University of Michigan. So the Huron River was, I could see it from, from my office and it was literally feet yeah. from my car to the river. So um, I just kept my waders in there and I just spent every day that I could there. In fact, it, it was the demise of one of my relationships because the guy that I was dating at the time didn't fish. And so he, and you know how it is like, yeah. you just become this mm -hmm. obsessed freak. And so I would spend all these hours in the water and then get out of the water and be like, Oh my God, it's been like five hours yeah. and I was supposed to meet him for dinner. And so I would, I'd call him and I'd be like, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, I, and he'd be like, Oh, sure. You were on the river by yourself. And, right. I, and it was, that moment, I was just like, this is not going to work for me any longer. And so <laughs> yeah. at that moment, I said to myself, I was like, I will never date anyone again that doesn't already know how to fly fish and yeah. doesn't come with better gear than I already own. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's a good rule. And, yeah. And at the beginning, it, you know, for the first couple of years, that really worked for me. But then yeah. I got into fly fishing. And so, you know, I got into the industry. And so now mm. it, it, I would be hard pressed to find somebody that has better gear than me. So yeah. I always yeah. figure you know, I'm a pretty good catch because I come with a lot of expensive gear. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's amazing. Um, that's that's so great. Were so, you fish, like, were you fishing for like all bass and stuff like that at that time, like warm water fish or? Yeah, it was all bass mm -hmm. in that okay. river. In fact, I fished, you know, for like, it was a couple of years before someone said to me, well, you can't catch bass on a fly rod. You're supposed to fish for trout. And yeah. I was like, I am. Oh my God. What's a trout? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I know it's funny. The misconceptions people have about like what you can and cannot catch on a fly rod, you know, like I don't. Oh yeah. So many. Yeah. Bat bass is definitely first. I think both for me and Mitch, like we grew up in a warm, yeah. warm water warm area. Water fishing. You know? So it's just so did fun. That. Bass on fly rod are so fun. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. So fun. So what was your first, um, so, okay. You got, you've, you're obsessed with fly fishing. You ditched the boyfriend who's a loser and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but then you dive into fly fishing professionally. So what was the first four foray into that? Or how did that happen from, how did it go from passion to, to, yeah. uh, to profession? Yeah. Yeah. So I, um, I was at the time, so I was in Michigan and then I moved back to Chicago. I, uh, the vast majority of my adult life I've lived in Chicago. And so I moved back from Michigan to Chicago. And when I did that, um, I was writing a blog called arsenic and church grace, which is for a whole nother podcast. But, um, <laughs> yeah. uh, so I, I moved, too. <laughs> it's not, it's not on there anymore. And, and there's a good reason for that. And okay. That <laughs> um, but, uh, so I was, um, I moved back to Chicago. And when I moved back to Chicago, the area that I moved into had a little tiny um, fly shop slash rod building um, store in it. And I went in there mm -hmm. and the guy said to me, oh, you should look up this magazine. It's brand new. And the guy who's two guys who started it, they are doing a fly tying class here on Thursday nights. And so I said, I said, oh, cool. So I looked it up. It was called a tight loop magazine and it was uh, a Midwest fly fishing magazine. And so I started going to the fly tying group 
And the guy who owned the magazine, he had he had known about the Arsenic and Church Grace uh, podcast uh, website. Mm -hmm. And so he said me, oh, well, you're a writer. Would you like to write a woman's column for the magazine? And I thought, well, uh, yeah, I'd love to. I mean, I'm I don't know that much about it, but I'd be happy to write what I do know. And um, so I started writing that pot, that art column. And uh, but it was really like a double entendre kind of thing they wanted, you know? So I wrote articles like the sex hatch and right. eight inches and all these ridiculous right. you know, articles. Yeah. <laughs> and they were fun. I mean, I love to write double entendre stuff, but I really wanted to write um, something that was going to be a legit kind of piece. Yeah. And so, mm -hmm. and I wanted to submit it to a woman's magazine, a woman's fly fishing magazine. So I looked around for one and, and discovered there wasn't one. So that was uh, June of 2013. And so by September of 2013, we had our first magazine. Wow. That's amazing. Wow. So you guys kind of yeah. kicked it off and just did it yourself. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an entrepreneur. I come from a long line of entrepreneurs and I, mm -hmm. I've owned a business since I was uh, 21. So um, it was, you know, once I get an idea in my head, that's it. It's, I, I don't stop until it's actually there. <laughs> yeah. That's great. That's, that's amazing. Were you that's amazing. writing, were you writing at the University of Michigan or... No, I was working. Nope. Uh, I was working in a lab there. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Was gotcha, arsenic gotcha. and church grace a fishing blog, or was this a lab blog of some? No. Kind? So uh, <laughs> interesting backstory. I was married to a pastor, so okay. it was like my um, exile from the church, and I published that until uh, I got a. I got a call from the Church of Satan who wanted me on their radio show. And I was like, that is not, <laughs> not, the, not exactly the target audience. <laughs> yes, exactly. It was yeah, an actual day on the church, but not that kind. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. no, for sure. Yep. Satan. Yeah. Yes, the Satan show. That is definitely, yeah, maybe gone a little too far. <laughs> that's, that's a hard pass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah good, like call. good call. Well, that's cool. So you, you couldn't find a magazine in June. You've got it in... You launched done in, sorry, it was September 2013, right? Yeah. And is it, it was an online magazine? It started out only as an online magazine. And um, so back in 2013, um, I should say that a tight loop magazine was only made as a digital magazine. That's what its purpose was. Mm -hmm. And back then, um, everybody was saying that print was dead. And so yeah. the online culture was the way it was. And I'm very conservation minded. So, you know, the thought of, uh, chopping down trees to make a magazine and yeah. all that stuff was just so it didn't make sense to me at that time. There were no recycled papers. There was no vegetable inks. It wasn't conservation yeah. minded to print at that time. And right. so, um, and, you know, I, looking back on it, I was really smart because doing it as an online magazine to begin with built up a huge audience so that right. when we came out with the print magazine, we already had an audience to sell it to. Right. So, you know, I'd like to say that that was my business plan to start with, but it really wasn't. I got lucky. <laughs> Super smart. It makes a ton of sense. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. What yeah. were some of like, did you just, did you write all the articles yourself or you had like your, a group, like a roster of writers that you pulled from? Yeah. So when I first started, um, you know, I'm a really good networker and so, and I don't get easily offended and maybe that's because I have such an entrepreneurial background, but I figured I'm just going to write to all these people. I mean, I was, a, yeah. I was a no name. Nobody knew who I was at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, no one had ever heard of the magazine before. So, um, it, this was my first foray into working in the fly fishing industry. And so I just contacted everybody that I thought was cool out there. Anybody I heard of and uh, just decided to tell the everyday angler story, not the professional story. And mm -hmm. so everybody, you know, I thought I'm just going to reach out to everybody and um, anyone I think is cool and 
if they say no, I'm not going to take that personally. And then to my surprise, they all said yes. Yeah. So <laughs> there you go. Oh, wow. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, nice. Yeah, I had all these uh, people who were so ex- all these women who were so excited to just tell their stories. And yeah. so, you know, um, it just grew organically. I mean, it's amazing that you finally were able to give people that, you know, didn't have the the stage before the microphone and say, OK, tell your story. Right. Because it's like, yeah. I mean, at that time, like, I, I don't know, I, I was an angler then and I'm also not a woman, but I can imagine it was frustrating, probably. <laughs> Oh, I didn't I didn't even know that there were other women out there. I mean, yeah. I heard in Michigan that there was a woman who when I first started, there was a woman who had come to the fly shop. And then as I got into it, you know, over the next year, I realized that the Michigan uh, fly girls were there. Mm-hmm. And so I mm-hmm. had a small group to actually belong to. But, you know, I mean, I, back then I didn't see women in the fly shop. It was unusual for women to be in the fly shop. Yeah. It was mm-hmm. still it was extremely male dominated back then. And so mm-hmm. um you know, I mean, I thought women were new to the sport. That's what I thought. I thought I didn't yeah. realize we had such a huge history. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like, did you feel like you had a place in the fly fishing industry, like where you were and at that time, like before the magazine? Um, you know, I felt like I was a, a pioneer. Mm-hmm. I really did. You know, I didn't know that so many great women had come before me. I just had never never heard of them, never seen them. No one talked about them. Social media wasn't what it is now. So, you know, you couldn't see them online. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, okay. One, one thing I'm wondering, because like, I I wonder about this a lot with um, people that like fly fish for a passion and then like get into it as a profession. Did you find that you got tired of fly fishing at all? Did it change the love of fly fishing at all for you when you had to suddenly like work in the area? No, I was so excited about it. And mm. there's so many great women that I met along the journey and so many great women who have started businesses since I started the magazine um, that have just become such great friends of mine. You yeah. know, I think that, you know, when they say water seeks its own level. And I think that the people that get into fly fishing all are at a certain level of a type of person, yeah. uh, very conservation minded. We love the outdoors. I mean, and when you have that kind of, uh, passion in common, yeah. you just, you don't lose that. I mean, do I love the fact that sometimes I have to deal with old white guys who just won't stop talking? Yeah, yeah. I kind of, <laughs> adapt it's old once in a while, but totally. for the most part, you know, I love what I do still. Yeah, yeah it's cool. Like, right. I, I wonder that's on us. People are like, oh, you have a fly fishing podcast. Like you must, you must like get sick of fishing and stuff. Fly fishing, like, oh man, you like, you work. I'm like, like not no, really. No, I, <laughs> kind of all I want <laughs> right. to do actually. Fly fishing yeah, is know, an interesting right? thing that way, you know, like you can just like fully commit everything to it. And it's like, you're kind of happy. Like it doesn't get old. Right. Yeah. yeah. So then do you do, uh, you mentioned it started as, you know, an online magazine. So uh, how often are you doing print or do you uh, still so- do print or, or, or not so much? Yeah, up until up until COVID, we did uh, four issues a year. Oh, nice. uh, we started out as a quarterly. Yeah, and mm-hmm. uh, we still were until COVID. And now, um, with ad sales and all the manufacturers kind of like putting a halt on their ad sales and their ad budgets, uh, we're behind. And what that looks like going forward, to be honest, I don't know. You know, we've grown. Fortunately for us, we were an online platform before so the vast majority of right. our audience is used to our digital so it's no big deal for us to just continue to put up content like we didn't have to work through oh my gosh how do we do a website how do we do this <laughs> yeah i mean yeah. it's just like business as usual for us so um so at the moment our print is on hold but um we're looking forward to it starting up shortly cool so then you're still putting out um quarterlies during covid like digitally as well uh so digital uh during covid we put out stuff on a weekly basis Oh, oh, great. Awesome. Perfect. Yep. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, that's that's great. great. Mm-hmm. What kind of challenges did you face like starting up the magazine? Like it can, I imagine it can be kind of tricky to get something like that going. Yeah. So I was really lucky. Um, so I partnered with the guy who was the editor of a tight loop magazine that had the digital magazine who happens to be a ridiculously smart web programmer. So he wrote every single line of code. It was all handmade software. It still is. Um, and Mm, so that didn't cost me anything because it was a joint effort. And because we offered, um, all of our content for free online and our subscription didn't charge any, it didn't cost you anything to join. Um, I could really put out a lot of content for no money. Mm-hmm. And, um, so that wasn't really an issue. Um, I will say that I thought that more manufacturers would jump on the women's bandwagon and they didn't, it took a long time. And I will mm-hmm. say that Orvis and uh, Trout Unlimited were the two major, you know, um, ad, partners that came on and said we value the female angler and really started things off um but that was my biggest challenge and and i'll tell you why it was i'm sure this is what it was Mm -hmm. um i mean i love to do research so i know this is what it was uh when you have (laughs) i love love the conviction i love it (laughs) (laughs) so when you have a good old boys club that has been dealing with the same magazines and the same ad partners for a very long time they become your friends and so um taking money away from Joe, whose house you go to in Montana every year Mm. is, is not something that you're going to do. Even if you can prove that your ad dollars would be better spent somewhere else, they're just not going to do that. And so it took us a long time. It took me a long time to have a legitimate face in the industry so that they would um, jump ship and put their money behind the women in the industry. And, and that was a smart move because women spend money when they get into this field. I mean, when they get into this sport, they spend money buying gear. They love gear, you know? Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. so a big part of it was really just breaking up that old boys club and just like, you know, causing a riff so that you can move in and things start to yeah loosen up a bit. They had to cause a ripple in the industry. (laughs) Hey, there you go. That's that's great. Are you finding, uh, you know, Obviously, things have changed in the seven years that you've been, you know, publishing. Do you think it's easier for women to break into fly fishing? Absolutely. Than ever before? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and as much as people say that social media has been detrimental to women in the industry, and I think that some of them have, uh, some some of it has, Mm -hmm. the vast majority of women get involved today because they see other women on social media like Instagram out there doing it, not making a perfect cast, but having a great time, not catching Mm -hmm. a fish, you know, really appreciating the camaraderie that's brought, that's been brought by the women in the industry. You know, there's, there's uh, women like Heather Hudson who has done the United women on the fly. And so you, as a woman, you can go to her website and click on any state you're going to go visit and find women and you can get together with them to fish and sleep on their couch. And, you know, so creating a network of women that you can go out and fish with has mm-hmm. really broken down the barriers that women, you know, seven years ago faced getting into the sport. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, yeah. That's a good point of building a network of just like-minded anglers. Yeah. Mm-hmm, I know. mean, social yeah. media, like a hundred percent opens it up like so that you can see, it's just like, again, it connects the community internationally, right? Like abroad, like you get to see, I mean, we meet people all over the place because of like Instagram, you know, people we wouldn't yeah. have met otherwise. So it is like Chloe. Chloe. Yeah. Like Chloe, our friend in Montana. Like Chloe, our friend in Montana. That's yeah. literally how we met. You know? Yeah. yeah exactly exactly i mean i meet the vast majority of my my authors come to me with stories that have seen this on instagram or that i've seen on instagram or my staff has that's pretty awesome is it 100 female contributors 
It is not. We always say that we like to empower women and not ignore men. So we have had. Um, we have <laughs> I, love, had some, I like it. I like it. Yeah, we have had some men who have contributed. Mm. Um, in our first edition, you'll love this. Our first digital edition that ever came out. Um, I had Hank Patterson. Do you know who he is? I don't know who Hank Patterson. Oh is. my God! Okay, I know. I feel like his videos. I feel like such yeah, an idiot. So, so he, um, so he is like uh, your fly fishing guide, and he does all these videos, but they're all spoofs. Okay. And so he's, yes, he's really funny. And uh, so I contacted him and said, "Hey, Hank, I'd love for you to do an uh, an article in our all women's magazine yeah. on the perfect date on the river." So he did this spoof, like, and it was really funny. It was like, well, you know, bring him his favorite beer and make <laughs> yeah. him the perfect sandwich. And and then at the end, it was like, and now that he's passed out because he drank too much, you can actually do some legitimate fishing. You know? <laughs> That's really funny. That's but funny. as soon as the as soon as the magazine went online, I had a woman contact me and she was like, this is why women will never be taken serious in the industry. You're yeah. saying that women should make sandwiches for men. And, oh, and I was like, did, didn't did get the satire. Yeah. It no. was a spoof. And she was like, oh. You know, <laughs> and so, but I will say that like 98% of our 99, probably percent of our authors are female. Cool. Um, you like, we just, and our audience is very, very, uh, the women in the industry, they like that. Like I just published an article that was written by a man on fishing in the pandemic and it was written by a guy and I put it out there cause it was really timely. And, uh, immediately a woman writes back, this sounds like it's written by a man. And then I looked and it was, and I'm like, Oh my <laughs> God. <laughs> so, so we have, a um, we have a news section that's coming out, um, you know, that's called from the other side of the stream. And that's kind of, um, you know, a, a male authors that we like and we appreciate. And so, yeah. yeah, we don't discriminate against that, but we do feel like women in the industry need to have a voice. And so yeah, for we sure, that. for sure. I need, 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 you know, everyone needs their, their kind of, I don't know, their own space from their own perspective. Right. I mean, that's the whole right. point. There's enough, yeah. I think there's enough dudes saying things in fly fishing there are <laughs> oh yeah like us hey, <laughs> hey. <laughs> totally. so yeah. you were also uh so you were on the board of ffi and AFTA. like what what was your role on those boards like what was that what did that entail yeah so i'm still on the board of fly fishers international yeah. this is my second um full term with them i love the direction they're taking now they really have done a 180 and um are getting away from that good old white boys club. Oh, that's great. Um, so I'm on their education committee. I'm on their women's connect committee. Um, you know, stuff like that. I help with their website design. Um, and then on app, the after board, um, I was a board member and I was their nominating committee chair. So i um, helping to get new people on board. I did, um, leave my, leave my position there early. <clears throat> so my term would have been up like in October, but I left, um, like maybe in February of this year. Mm, mm -hmm. yeah, okay. So yeah, fair enough. I mean, that's, that's really great to hear about FFI though. Like actually like sort of changing the ways of their past. I mean, it's such a crazy thing to think fly fishing is kind of like, uh, almost leading the way in a lot of ways, like in a lot of different, uh, compared to a lot of other outdoors activities and sports, you know? Oh yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I really, really appreciate Patrick Berry. Who's the new, um, the new, uh, president of, uh, I guess he's the president of it. Um, the new president of the FFI board. I mean, he just really brings a whole dynamic that is just like, he plays in a band and he swears like a sailor. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, great. <laughs> it's great. Kind of taking away that elitist attitude fly fishing's yeah. had for so many years, you know? 
Yes, yeah. yes. It needed to go down. Yeah. Well, if you like those things, you should fish in Ontario. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah, my you mom used to have a house in Ontario. Oh, yeah? No I have fish there. Uh-huh. Oh, no way. Where, whereabouts in Ontario do you know? Uh, in, in Dryden. So okay. do you know where um, Lake Wabagoon and Lake Denoric are? Yeah, I know where Dryden is. Yeah, okay, we definitely so, know Dryden. Yeah, so she was in the Narrows right there next oh. to Huber's Lodge. So she had the house next to there. That's great. There you okay, go. cool. Yeah. I was gonna say we both play in bands and we both swear like crazy. So shit. It's really cool. Do you think we're headed in a good direction? Like, I just wanted to bring the conversation back a little bit to like representation and in, in media. I think uh, a while ago I listened to a really great podcast um, about fly fishing and like. Yeah, this kind of like brand sexualization of women in fly fishing. You think we're kind of like pink rods yeah. and pink yeah. waders. And yeah. it's like, you know, I don't want to hate on somebody who wants to wear pink waders, but at the same time, like from a, from a you know, a from a branding, you know, like marketing. From a branding, it's kind of, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It well, it's seems... like forced. It's like forced in a way, you know, like they're trying to like, I don't know. It's in, it's not all brands, but some brands definitely you feel that like segregation, like gender kind yeah. of segregation. Oh, yeah. I guess the question is, do you think we're in a better spot now or do you think it's, or do you think it's exacerbated through maybe Instagram? No, I think that we are in a much better spot, especially in the gear category. Like when they first started coming out with women's waders, it was, um, you know, kind of the pink it and shrink it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, now <laughs> it's a great way to say it. Right. Exactly. They took all the, <laughs> they so took weird. all the, um, they took all the technicality out and they figured, well, women are just little pretty things that want to go with their boyfriends on the river and they yeah. just want to look like they're going to fish, but they, they're just going to sit and doodle in their journals or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. And, um, so you'd get these waders, but the, the pockets like steelhead waders, the pockets would be underwater, like down where your pants pockets were. You're like, seriously, like, but now, um, they've done a one that has done a 180 as well. You know, as they see the influx of women coming into the sport who are spending mm-hmm. money, they want to make gear that fits them. No one wants to fish or be outside if you're uncomfortable and wearing your dad's waders are just uncomfortable. So mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, there are so many great products out there now for women that there's no reason women cannot be um comfortable and get into the industry and feel like they belong yeah that's great it's 2020 damn it you know like that's now's right the time that's why well, can't it be about. 2021 already i'm I ready know. for this to be done <laughs> i know yeah, Spe- i know speaking of that COVID, like i mean we haven't been able to travel very much like you do, do you usually travel a lot to fish like what's this year been like for you yeah so usually i am on the road probably three out of the four weeks of the month. And yeah. So since March, I haven't traveled hardly at all. Um, I was just in Panama city beach a couple weeks ago. And then last week I was in the driftless area of Wisconsin, but before that I didn't travel at all. And so, you know, it's been a a big life changing, you know, kind of way for me as an editor, but Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. it's been good too, because I could sit back and be home and reevaluate the direction of the magazine. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's true. a good point, actually. It, ha- it has come with silver linings. I think everybody's kind of like taking time to just look at things with a different lens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, from our brand's perspective, we, you know, went pretty hard on podcasting. We were doing one a week for a while there. And wow. fishing, fishing closer to home, too, you know? Yeah, I was going to say, so that might be a nice segue into, yeah, have you rediscovered your home waters? And maybe we can talk about that Asian, the Asian carp problem. Sure. Yeah, yeah. so for... For sure I have, you know, I've always been one of, I mean, living the vast majority of my life in Chicago where, you know, 
um, it's like Michigan and there's ponds and it's mm-hmm. urban fishing. I mean, you have to, when it takes you an hour to go, you know, five miles, you have to fish close to home. So um, I've always been a big, a big advocate of fishing your home waters. Um, you know, and now people don't have as much money, right? A lot of people don't have as much money because some people have lost their jobs. So fishing at home and having those public lands and the public access areas to go fishing has become really important. That's been renewed in a lot of people's minds. And, and uh, so, yeah, I have done a lot more fishing close to home on Kentucky Lake, even though it sucks, it's better than not fishing at all. Right. <laughs> and it sucks. Cause it's just like, what, what sucks about Kentucky Lake? Just the, the Asian carp problem. Uh, the Asian carp problem, the water's really, really warm. Right. Um, I will say that, you know, when you fish with a fly rod and a really, really big lake, yeah. Um, the fish, when they can, they go deep. And so yeah. I can throw a sink tip, but it's gotta be a massive sink tip and I gotta let it wait. So like, you know, I can drink yeah. a whole beer while it's sinking to the bottom. So <laughs> totally. I know it's not the same. It's not ex- the most exciting fishing, you know? Right. Exactly. Yeah. But it's still fishing and it's still better than nothing. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's For sure. still better. And you know, it's been fun to try to figure out where they go because yeah. the, the the lakes are so massive and I've really gotten into gar fishing. So I have a place oh, here. Oh, cool. Yeah. Unlike Barkley, I discovered what I call a garden. Oh, that's <laughs> hey, <great>. right. And <laughs> so, um, I've been fishing the garden. We have like four different species of gar here and they're huge. So what? that's four different species of gar. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys get like the alligator gar, like the big, yeah, we get the giant guys. We get uh, the bottlenose. We get you name it, oh small nose. We get them all. Oh my god, that's cr- how did you get into gar? Like, what was you oh, just like? Oh, there's gar yeah. in my backyard. I'm gonna go try to catch one. No, you know, I didn't know that they were there. And we were fishing in Lake Barkley, and you could see like something coming up to the surface all the time. There'd be yeah. these things coming up to the surface, and I had no idea what they were. And then so all cool. of a sudden. We- we were talking to one of the locals and he was like, Oh, that's Gar. And we were like, Gar? Yeah. Rope flies. <laughs> rope flies. Yes, exactly. let's go tie some rope flies. And the, <laughs> the fun thing about Gar is they're so they're so aggressive that if you just get the fly and they're not particular. So if you get the yeah. fly in front of them, they're gonna go at it. Oh man. And they're fun to catch. But they are they're slimy and they're strong and they're yeah. dangerous and they smell. And so when you get them <laughs> in the boat, they make a huge mess. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man. They're so cool yeah. looking though. So, They're such an interesting looking fish, you know? Gar. When you're flies it yeah. a two fly and then you add the rope on the end or Yeah, so what I've been tying lately is just a um a like a clouser type minnow with one a, one small strand of nylon rope in it. Oh, and yeah. it doesn't even have to be that long, just that big, you know? Like a fly that's about, I don't know, maybe three inches or so, and you just throw that. Doesn't even oh. have to look pretty. You just get it right in front of them. Did you know? Here's an interesting fact that gar, they used to use the scales of gar to put on the snow plows because they're so strong. They would what? use them on the snow plows. Yeah. Wow. That's no crazy, lie. man. I mean, I they know. look like it. They're like, they're like shields, you know? Yeah. They're, they're really like prehistoric. They're yeah. very much like tarpon um, in that yeah, they breathe true. air and, you know, they've been around for a very long time. So it's just like, they have really, really, really sharp teeth. Oh, yeah. I imagine that. I mean, yeah. I can't. Sorry. Wait a minute. Do you mean like they surface to breathe air with the snout? Yes. Yeah, stick it out of the water. Yep. <laughs> like a snorkel. That's crazy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've never caught a gar. I've never. I've never. One. We we did have gar in Ottawa growing yeah. up. But, uh, I can't say if I've ever caught one. I've seen them, but yeah. So cool. Oh man, They're you wild. gotta go try. Yeah. Fun. Mm-hmm. Well, I love how they hit anything. Like just life. If it moves, like they'll smoke it. That's that's perfect. Oh yeah. <laughs> I can dig it. Yeah. So that's so fun. 
So, okay, so then Asian carp, like that's an interesting thing to me. It's kind of foreign to us up here because like we hear it as a threat to the Great Lakes and like, oh, it might get in and then maybe work its way up our river systems. What what's what's the problem like down there? Like has it it has it gone away a little bit or is it still like uh, a serious threat? No, it's a huge threat and you do not want it up there. I mean, it takes over. So they're plankton eaters and that's your problem. They are prolific mm. breeders and they are plankton eaters. So they take away your food source at the very basic level. And when that happens, you have major problems, you know, and then you think about millions of fish in, that are huge everywhere and they're afraid. So like if a bird flies over the whole water erupts because they're oh, afraid of the shadow that the bird has made you know i mean oh it's just a, it's bizarre now uh my my partner he um he he snags them like he fishes for them and then as yeah. they get close we like can snag them kind of like i would imagine you do a milkfish yeah. you know they're also plankton eaters um so they're really fun to catch but they seriously look like the most bizarre half breed of fish that you've ever seen yeah, yeah. they've got that that droopy eye like kind of hanging yeah it's way down like, right exactly that's weird. yeah like sloth from the goonies or something yeah, exactly <laughs> that's exactly what they look like such a weird looking fish yeah we've heard so many things about them like oh you know like yeah if they get to the great lakes it's like game over and i'm just i see the videos i'm jumping out of the water i'm just like good lord man like how is that i, I don't understand how like how that's a thing like how the fish are just that uh how they breed like that how they eat like that that's crazy yeah, right. And and you know what? It's scary. It really yeah. can scare the living daylights out of you because you're just trolling along. You're just like moving from one place to another. And all of a sudden you hear this giant splash behind you or worse yet, you got this, this you know, 20 pound fish flopping around in your boat, oh, God, Yeah, <laughs> you know, and you've got fly rods all over and you're afraid they're going to break the fly rods and you're trying to get it out of the boat. And at this time there's slime all over and you're falling all over. I mean, they can really do some damage. Oh yeah. I can imagine. I've seen some pretty big ones and I'm like, Jesus. Yeah. It's wild. Yeah. So, Crazy. I mean, what it, is there a plan? Is there a way to combat them? Do you just uh, release an army of gar against them and hope that they eat them all or? God. <laughs> <laughs> it would be awesome if something ate them, but nothing eats them, which is also really? a problem. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, um, so what they're doing here in Kentucky Lake is they have started to like shock the water. In fact, I, I my neighbor is, um, Jeff is the head of the Army Corps of Engineers here, and so I said to him one day, I said, why can't they just shock all? shock the water like they do when they do a fish count yeah. and get them all to the surface and just drag them all out. So they have started to do that. Yeah. Um, I think that was already in the works. Be you know, it wasn't my yeah. idea. I'm not like credited <laughs> with that or anything. Um, <laughs> but, you know, um, I so that has started to take root. But, you know, we just need we need for there to be some companies that will do something yeah. with all of these fish, you yeah. know. You yeah, can't, you there's so them? many of them, right? Yeah, it's like you can just like throw them <laughs> in the woods. <laughs> right. Well, they do that. They go, there's a big population down here in, in Tennessee um, that does the bow, the like oh, yeah. they shoot a bow at them. And, but they just leave them rot everywhere, which is not the that's answer gross. either. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah that's, that's definitely not the answer at all. Jeez. No. Well, huh. hopefully, you know, hopefully the shocking helps and hopefully we figure oh. some way to, to contain that because it's, yeah, what a weird crisis that is. Oh my God. Right. Yeah. It's terrible. Yeah. Um, okay. So 
Every episode, we ask uh, guests the same five questions. They're called Mitchie's Fishies Five because my name's Mitchie, and there's five questions, and they're about fish. Um, <laughs> hey, I'm a writer. Can you tell? <laughs> and we're not. <laughs> I was going to say, we, we don't have the catchphrases down as, about, as, as, as good, good as you yeah. do. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, what was it? Shrink it and pink it? Was the... Shrink it and pink it, yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. I also All liked, right. I also liked uh, prolific, uh, what was it? Pro- prolific eater, uh, plankton eater, something like that. You made a good rhyme a little while back. Yeah. It's great. If you're listening, everybody rewind check that out um okay so the same five questions we're gonna ask you we're gonna ask them right now uh the first one is what is your favorite fish and why ah my favorite fish would happen to be let me think i got yeah. so many oh, yeah. um you know what i really i really 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 like to fish for jack giant jacks oh, nice. and that's not something that people go after but i really really like them they're so cool aldo loves them i mean like these guys caught yes. them down in mexico and they were talking about them nonstop. We, yeah, man. Like I, I don't get, I don't get why they don't get the fish love. Oh, man. the fish love. You know, they, they're they're so strong. They take pot, even the small ones. You know, you 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 run up. I think that was the first fish I ever caught in the salt. Was like just this little, you know, uh-huh. little jack. And I'm like, I thought, you know, I was like, you have a shark. You know, I was like, I was like, I've got a. I was like. I was like, oh, I got something crazy. And then like this little jack comes in. But then you're like, when you start thinking, you're like. My God, imagine if I caught a big one and then we did in Mexico, like some, some, some sizable jacks and, uh, and we were catching them on poppers in the surf. Uh, yes. And that was like, sorry, I totally cut you off, but, uh, no. what was your first jack? What was your first jack or what made that impression? Oh, so, I mean, and I, I agree with you. I would rather catch giant jacks than bonefish any day. I mean, I just, I don't understand yeah. why it's not a thing, but, um, so I, what started me on that was, uh, I went and to Cuba with the people from Temple Fork Outfitters, the owners of Temple Fork Outfitters. Oh, nice. It was super fun and was on a liveaboard for a week with them. And, nice. you know, every day we would like take a skiff out and one of the, you know, myself and another person would go out on the skiff and we spend all day out there fishing, glass fishing, and then come back to the liveaboard. And um, one day I was out on the boat with Rick Pope, who is the, the owner of TFO Rods. Um, and so he, thank God he was on the boat because I was on the front yeah. and the guide said, oh, tarpon, tarpon. And I was like, those aren't tarpon, but those are giants. I don't know what they are, but I'm going to fish them. <laughs> so I cast to them and hooked into one of them. And it was a giant jack. And I'm telling you, that thing did not know it was even hooked for a very long time. And, um, and I remember Rick saying to the guide, like, are you going to pick, are you going to go chase after it? And the guide said, no, she can fight it from here. And so Rick turns around <laughs> and he says to the guide, that's going to be reflected in your tip. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> But fortunately for me, you know, I, I think I had an eight weight or something at the time. It was a small rod and eight, yeah. 10 weight. And um, the, having Rick on the boat was great because he walked me through how to use the angles of that fly rod right. to get that giant jack in, you know. And so so when they brought it in, I was like, oh, my God, this is like the biggest fish I've ever caught up to this date. Right. Yeah, yeah. And um, <laughs> and then the guide promptly stuck it on the ground with a wet towel on it and put his foot on it and we headed towards the liveaboard because we were going to eat that sucker and i didn't even know that we could do that yeah. mm. so after i got over the shock um we ate that for four days on oh in like every different type of like we Whoa. had it, we had it like tuna sushi we yeah. had it in you know ceviche we had it in everything in fact the, the joke one of the jokes on the boat was like what were we going to eat if you didn't catch that <laughs> <laughs> man that's a big fish that's, that's a, a big, big jack yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So it was really fun. So that was like when I really fell in love with Jacks. I love that, man. I got to catch a Jack. I, I, oh, look, Mitch, you'd, you'd love it, man. They're like, so cool looking too. Like what's, they are. what's not to love about a Jack, you know, especially when they're Yeah, huge. you come so across, cool. you come yeah. across a little school of them and really like changes uh, the day. Yeah. Cause oh, you're yeah. like, you're staring at, you know, the ocean hoping a bonefish materializes. And then all of a sudden you see this like little, little pod of 10 fish and you're just like, sweet yeah. Jack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you know, yeah, they're hitting yeah. the fly, you know, they're hitting the fly. So yes. like, it's going to be nice. a fight. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Okay. Number two, uh, Mitchie's Fishies Five is uh, if you could fish anywhere in the world right now, assuming it's like the best time of year to go there, where would you go and why? I would go to Oman and I would fish for uh, Yellow Permit with my friend Claire Carter, who owns Arabian Fly Fishing. That's wild. That's such a great answer. Great answer. (laughs) Have you ever been there before or would it be like the first time? Uh-uh, this would be the first time. It's on my bucket list. It's been on my bucket list ever since I met Claire. Yeah. She was on the cover of our first ever print edition, and I love her. She's amazing. So, yeah, I have to go do that. Oh, my God. That's an amazing answer. Do you say yellow permit? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yellow permit. Oh, cool. I didn't even know there was a yellow permit. Yeah. I, I mean, no you idea. should. You'll have to go and look at, at her article on our online. I'm it's amazing. Look up to. Arabian fly fishing. It's incredible. Okay. I'll check that so out. I'm looking at Arabian fly fishing around. So cool. Yeah. I didn't realize there was Arabian permit or sorry, yellow permit until I think it was an F3T I was at. Oh yeah. And then it kept calling, they kept referring to a fish as the yellow bastard. And then they showed a picture of it. I think it was like an Australian fly fishing thing anyway. And I was like, oh, that's just, is that just a permit? And then I started like Googling and I was like, oh, uh-huh. yellow oh, permit. Well, permit. Yep. Oman would be a heck of a trip. This That's... looks, Arabian fly fishing oh, yeah. looks so cool. That's wild. I know, right? It's amazing. You should have Claire on your podcast. Oh, She's we totally awesome. Should. Yeah. yeah. We should totally go to Oman and record the podcast there. <laughs> yes, you should. <laughs> That's a great idea. Love that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a great answer. I don't. I think it's the first time we've ever gotten uh, Oman. Definitely Oman. Um, okay, number three is what is your best or favorite fishing memory or one of your best fishing memories from over the years? Oh, so um, I would say that one of my best fishing memories ever was when I took my mom and my two younger daughters to the Driftless area of Wisconsin for the first time, and they all um, picked up a fly rod and fished in the Driftless for the first time ever. Oh, that's an awesome memory, yeah. Did they catch fish? Uh, my one daughter did catch fish. Nice. My mother was dressed in all black and looked like um, uh, something out of a horror movie. Yeah. And uh, and my other daughter um, <laughs> is an excellent caster, but did not get lucky. That's a fun day, though. That's the best. I love yeah. that. Honestly, yeah, spending sure. time on the water with people that you know you like spending time like that is kind of the best way to best memory. Um, yeah. Okay. Number four is why do you fly fish? What do you get out of fly fishing? Uh, what don't I get out of fly fishing? Yeah, true. I mean, every true. every part of, um, you know, I fish for different reasons, but at this point, it is so inner, 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 it's part of who I am. It runs through my veins that I think that if I couldn't fly fish, I would probably die. Yeah. That's why. Because I have to. Yeah, because you have to. <laughs> that makes sense. I mean, yeah, and you, it runs and it is like such a big part of your life specifically too, just because you do so many things in fly fishing. Yeah, I mean, it yeah. makes sense. Because I have to is the perfect answer to that question, by the way. That's really all <laughs> everyone ever needs to say. <laughs> I must. I, I simply must. must. I must. <laughs> Something I must I am, do. therefore I fish. Exactly. Yes, <laughs> yes exactly. Exactly. Uh, okay, number five, and the last question of Mitchie's Fishies Five is what fly pattern represents you best and why? If you were a fly, oh. what would you be? Oh, 
it is absolutely the hot flash minnow <laughs> because awesome. I am in my fifties. I am having hot flashes. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Hilarious. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> hot flash minnow. Hey, it's a great fly pattern too. It's a great it fly pattern. Yeah. <laughs> Catch all kinds of fish on the hot flash minnow. That's right. It's perfect for everything. <laughs> it's uh, a different color combination. <laughs> I love how quick you were to answer all of those questions. Like you didn't even have to think about any of the answers. That's the quickest. <laughs> yeah, man. I'm telling you. Well, thank we goodness just... because when you said that, I was like, "Damn, I should have listened to your podcast." Down <laughs> here, so I know what the questions are. Yeah. We us we usually like a lot, like you know, twenty to. Like twenty minutes for for that segment because especially with the uh, favorite fishing memory, people are like, I don't know, and then yeah, it's like, this one, that, <laughs> that might have been the quickest anybody's ever answered that. And yeah. Oman is new. Oman is new, and the hot flash minnow is definitely uh, <laughs> that's so good. I love that. a, that's very right. <laughs> So are you still are you still fly tying these days? Like you still fly? You still tie flies? I still tie flies, but I don't tie flies as much as I should. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's the case for so many of us. I, I, yeah, we here I've got like a mountain of materials, and yeah. and then I end up going to buy them. It's really yeah. embarrassing when you go to the store and buy a woolly bugger. Uh, like, yeah, yeah, I know. What am I doing? There's something wrong with that? I know. I know. <laughs> the fly shop guy's just looking at me like hey. <laughs> from across the room. Yeah. <laughs> so do you have any uh, do you have any big plans coming up for uh, for Dunn or any big fishing trips coming up in the next year that you want to talk about? Uh, so I am going to Argentina and Patagonia in March with, as a combined effort with um, Jerry Meyer from Athena and Artemis and the Driftless Angler. And so we're going with Andy's Drifters and we are taking it's one week fishing for Dorado, one week fishing for big trout. Wow, and nice. uh, we only have, I think, like one more spot in one of our trips. So, you know, that filled up fast and so i'm looking forward to that because argentina really was one of the most beautiful places i've ever been to okay so you've been before did you fish last time you were there yeah so i did a hosted trip through orvis yeah. um i was the host for one of theirs and i oh, i cool. didn't go with andy's drifters i went with a uh, rio manso and it was beautiful the food was fantastic the wine was even hearing. better and the fishing was I mean, it is the most, if you haven't been there, it is the most beautiful place on earth. I think it is like, you know, those pictures you see where the, the mountain looks exactly like the, you know, it looks, you can't tell where the lake is because it just yeah. looks like a perfect mirror image. That was how it was every oh, single day. And, the, and giant, you're throwing giant, you know, Chernobyl patterns on top water for these giant trout that just jump out of the water so, like a tarpon so and get them uh, it's so fun that's so that's cool. so fun and also dorado yeah. for a week too that is have you ever caught a dorado no i haven't so oh, i've never man. been dorado fishing you know i mean it looks cool that's like top of my list i think like, yeah, I've never gone so either, cool. those are such oh, cool yeah. looking fish so fun and you know and i will say that you know both the men and the women in Argentina are beautiful. So, I mean, there's that. <laughs> <laughs> good looking people, good food, great fishing. Like that's- Yes. That's I love good food on a fishing trip. I love good food on a fishing trip. Yeah. Absolutely. Yes. I love Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, that's a fun trip. A hundred percent. Look forward to that one. Cause that's, that's a, I think that's like everybody's like top, top trip. That's like a huge bucket list trip for so many people, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I'm fortunate yeah. to be able to go again. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, I think we have come to the, episode, the part of the episode where it's shameless plug time, which oh. means how can people get your magazine? How do people find you? Are you on Instagram? What's going on? Uh, yeah, how can our listeners get to your content? Yeah, you can find us at Dunn. That's D-U-N, like the Mayfly. If you are a fly angler and you don't know what a Dunn is, <laughs> you better go look that up right now. Yeah, so. 
Don, or you live not, in Miami, one or the other. <laughs> yes, it's not D-O-N-E. It's not D-U-N-N like Dun and Bradstreet. It's yeah. D-U-N like fly fishing. Dunmagazine.com. <laughs> and uh, you can order our magazines on there. You can, uh, you know, see all the content. All the content is free to read online. Um, I, the stuff that's in print is not always online, but there is probably over 450 other articles that you can read. Wicked. I'm and wow. you can follow me too. Jen Ripple on Instagram or Done Magazine on Instagram. So Done. Everybody follow. We'll put those links in the show notes too so you can check it out on SoundCloud. Um, Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show. Like This was super cool just getting to know you and hearing about you know your fly fishing world. It was, uh, it was, it's all really awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys. Thanks so much for all you do. Absolutely. Yeah, no yeah. problem. You thanks. too, 100%. Yeah, all you right. too. All right. Well, thanks take and care. Uh, take bye care. Bye-bye. See you, Jen. Bye. Aldo, my frown. Mitch, my frown. What a great podcast. Jen is so cool. I know. I mean, like a uh, pretty jam-packed career for, you know, being in fishing for seven years. Yeah. Oh, she's joining. Well, I mean, longer than that, but I mean, like, but professionally for seven years, right? Oh, yeah. Like to do all the, uh, like, magazine work and everything. Like, yeah, it's cool. I love hearing about people that, like, get into fly. I mean, Susan was kind of like that, too, where they get into fly fishing. And it's like, I mean, it's so many, so many people we've talked to, like, over the years actually pretty much everybody when you start fly fishing you just get so into it you get so into it that you like yeah you start a use your other creative like um your creativity just like comes into it you start a magazine or or like us we start a podcast or like you know other people oh start a clothing brand like everybody kind of just like gets so into it it's cool like i don't know many other hobbies that like can afford that kind of freedom to just like create yeah it's uh it's a space where people are also really receptive of of creativity too right people are so ready to oh just want, dying they for want fishing it they just, they're just dying for fishing content whether it be print or whether yeah. it be uh video photo podcast now of course uh you know uh visual art paintings yeah you yeah. know two things oman and mm. and dorado okay like mm. <laughs> we gotta go to oman is the second time i've heard of oman i saw the first time was at the um i have four I have four, yeah. There was yeah. a film about Oman. Those guys went to Oman and fished crazy looking fish, and they were like the most beautiful fish. And I never thought about fishing in a place like that. So it's crazy. Jen brought it up again. Yellow permit. Like, that's, that's, that sounds like a pretty wild, wild trip. Yellow permit in Oman. Yeah, it'd be so sweet amongst all the other crazy fish yeah. there. Oh my God, the craziest fish, fish man. Whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And then Golden Dorado, like, that's, that's easily moved up to my number one want to fish it fish. Yeah. Yeah, man, they're so cool. Why? They're so cool looking. I remember the first mm. time I saw one was... More than uh, peacock bass? Oh, uh, no, peacock bass are way up there too. But I got to say, Dorado, like, I don't know, man. So the first time I saw Dorado was, I, I want to say, I don't know, like years and years, like maybe like over a decade ago. Uh, mm. I think it was, I can't remember who it was that I saw it, but I also saw some uh, photos of April, uh, April Vokey fish in Dorado, and like those fish just looked gnarly, and that wasn't that long ago. Um, but it's like... They're so gnarly. So cool, and I just... The place you fish them too, you know, like, oh, and there's also Arapaima. I think just kind of south, <laughs> like really south. Arapaima, Golden well, Dorado, Peacock, but like, let's go to the Amazon, man. Totally. I'm obviously. COVID though, bro. COVID though, bro. Well, here's the thing. Yeah. Uh, I was looking at it today because mm-hmm. uh, the government of Barbados has offered that if you can work from home. Yeah. Uh, you can work from home, but have home be 
the Barbados. So we're Canadians. Do they like for, for Canadians? For Canadians? For Canadians? For Canadians? Sorry. Why can't you <laughs> just Canadians? I want. I guess it's like, like I don't know. Some deal that they had with uh, Canadians. Can I, I don't know. Where, where do they? Where do they put you? Like, where do you? Like a tent? Well, you find your own. A commodosh. Yeah, but you, they'll grant you a visa for longer than just like a travel visa. They'll That's grant you a cool. twelve a twelve month visa. Um, Should we do it? I might do it for a month. I'm not. I'm not joking, man. I can work from home, so I might. I'm now. I'm seriously thinking. Yeah. What if I just find a covid safe area and if it's if it's the barbados i looked into some i looked into barbados fishing and go rent a house for like a month you know like when probably it not cold. as crazy as belize and the bahamas but there's bonefish well, if you also spend, if you spend like a month there you're gonna catch fish you know that's like, what i'm saying so you know like to explore and that's what i'm saying you can surf that's the other thing is you can surf in the barbados which you can't in other in scuba dive other that too learn how to scuba dive yeah imagine you just like COVID. you end your day you work, you work from home. Yeah. You're COVID safe. Yeah. And and then you just swim the ocean or go or, for a dip, go cast with some uh, bonefish and then like have a little cocktail can, and yeah, you can time your, you can time your work nice. day. You can time work day on the tide. <laughs> That'd be so cool. I'd <laughs> love to be like, on a beach, like just looking at the full moon, like, you know, listening like, to Martin Denny, you know, carry me away as a, as we sip a cocktail and, and cast in our uh, in our hot pants in our underwear, <laughs> that's what it be. It sounds, that sounds pretty sweet. I don't know. Yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah. if it's just saying, yeah, just saying. Interesting. I wonder. I wonder, I wonder. I wonder. Like, how that's like. What'll? Wonder how many people will go. I don't every, know. It's like everybody's working from home. You know, like. It's, but I don't. Yeah, I don't have to physically be in an office. So no, no. You're going to Tomogamy next week, though. Yes. Well, by the time this gets released, we'll have come back already. So I hope it was so, a good trip. I hope. Fu- I hope. Future. For future me, that isn't that it was weird. A good trip. Like, yeah, we're, you'll be listening we're doing to this. The, you'll listen to this when you're back, and you'll know how it went. But now we're like, oh, I wonder how it's going. That's so weird. Man. I know it's so weird. Um, well, we're doing the Lady Evelyn trip again. Yilman, um, rookies in a different area. Because the first time, although the trip was amazing, we did get um, sidelined by some thunderstorms. So now we're going to do the full, the full shabong of the river. <laughs> so you're going to, um, oh, so, you're going to do the whole Lady Evelyn system into the lake. Maybe not, no, maybe not that far, but we're going to do a lot more than more what we did. It, yeah. What we did last time. Um, yeah. And you've got some, and, you've got some people coming along too. It's like a hosted oh, yeah. trip. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be great. We're hosting a trip into the Lady Evelyn with Tamagami Outfitting, which is cool. And yeah. we just got back from Elk Lake. We did a week ago. Yeah. That was super fun. Mitch, you caught a serious pike. (laughs) Yeah. Nice one. Like the biggest one I've caught at at Elk Lake, like, um, in the, in the lake itself, like in the, um, in Mount Lake. Mount Um, Lake. Yeah. It was, it was great. Like we, we had so much fun. I mean, it's always fun going up there because it's just so, so chill, Chill. you know, like, yeah, you just drive up, you know, the beautiful Lund boats, you just hop in and go and they're so reliable and fun to drive down the Montreal bombing, bombing a boat down the Montreal river, like going, you know, 20, Mm -hmm five kilometers an hour it's like super fun it's super just fun it's just yeah it's littered with fish there's we fish saw bear. everywhere we saw bears swimming <clears throat> across the river we saw family of eagles remember yeah we saw babies like eating fish and oh yeah it was tons of wildlife got some nice fish hung out hung out with our friends roger and mary we saw carrots there and all those wonderful people at elk lake yeah it was great it was super fun yeah we got pretty lucky despite this whole pandemic thing this yeah. summer I th- i'd like to think 
Yeah, you know, I'm glad that I'm glad to see that all these businesses, lodges, outfitters, guides were able to make something of the year. You know, any I know mm-hmm. like a lot of people took a big hit, but at least you know the people that we've we know at least they were able to have um, a year of some kind because uh, geez, shitty. But it's it's been it's been cool just spending time in Ontario. Going, I mean, we go up there a lot. We go up to these places a lot, but just to to make that our our kind of year, just hanging around Ontario, it's been fun. Hey man, <clears throat> we did S Nagami. Yeah, we did you know Tamagami a couple times. Yeah, well, at least I I did. Yep. Did uh, Elk Lake. Elk Lake. We did uh, your cottage, of yeah. course. Oh yes, did we ever? Did the credit? Well, you didn't join us on the credit, but I didn't okay. finish the credit this year. That's crazy, but man, do we ever? Do we ever have a good spring? <laughs> I know. I, mean, I saw. I know you me, guys. Me, Yoma, especially and Josh, and Josh on the fly. Jeez, Josh, my God. Yeah, you guys were having fun. I need to hit the credit, um, like maybe like this weekend or something. Dude, do it. I mean, we've got a month left. Trout season. This is September 2nd right now. Trout season. Maybe there's like some trichos kicking around still. I can go catch some brook trout. I mean, it's been, because I, I left like right at the beginning of trout and I went to the warm water world. And uh, it was funny. I was talking <laughs> about this the other day. I was like, I was at the beginning of COVID, I was like, you know, this is terrible, but I was like, oh man, if I could work from home just until like a couple days into bass opener, just so I could like live, live at the cottage and like work and then go bass fishing after work. And then look at us now. It's like months past that and still working from home. But yeah, I got to fish bass like all, every day. Lunchtime, go down, just cast off the dock. It was a heck That's of wicked. A, heck of a summer. Heck of a summer, my friend. But it's heck a good of a way, summer. good way to end it back up in Tomogamy for you guys and Mm-hmm. And then I'm looking then, forward to steelheading. <clears throat> I can't wait to go steelheading. Yeah, that'll be that'll be that'll be cool. You know, it's always nice yeah. to bust out the two handers. I love. I can't wait. I can't wait to mm-hmm. go steelheading. What am I doing now? I got him sending Yilma a picture that he can't find. Yeah, Yilma couldn't join us on the show today because he uh, is working. But I saw him walk into the office because I'm actually recording at the office. I've been working at the office. Nobody's here, so I just come in here to work to get a boardroom. And I saw Yilma walk in because he's got a camera because he's doing a shoot. But that's um, so, yeah, he that's so join awesome. Us. Yeah, it's you know it's Yelma. No, I mean it's awesome. That, what's awesome? Oh, it's awesome. It's, it's always fun to do a shoot, you know. Yeah, you gotta love doing a shoot, baby. Hey man, you gotta learn how to shoot, baby. <laughs> when are you guys going to Tomogamy this Saturday, right? We get we we leave Saturday morning. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. We leave Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. We're gonna spend Saturday and Sunday getting ready for the trip. Yeah. Um, you know, and then I think Sunday night is when some of the guests come, and some are coming early Monday morning. Yeah, and then we shuttle off on. We shuttle off to uh, the to Gamble Lake, which is the entrance of the uh, which is the entrance of the um, the Lady Ev uh, River System, which is really cool. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then and then we just we just go. I think I think the 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 one thing is it's going to be cooler, <clears throat> and there's going to be some rain, which actually might work in our favor. So I'm. Uh, uh, I'm I'm stoked because it's been hot, right? These brookies need some cold totally. weather, and that river system probably needs some water. So that's probably you know will lead to some good fishing. Fingers yeah. crossed. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. I'm sure. Well, and you know what? Either way, it'll lead some good times because you never have a bad time with Tamagami Outfit and Co. It is a fun time when Eric is there and you're in the woods. I'm oh yeah, for Eric's not going to be there, but uh, yeah. oh right, Eric's not going, but Clint <laughs> is going, eh? His yeah, his Clint's right excited. Hand, Clint's a right hand man. Yeah, Clint's a really great uh, outdoors guide, and and uh, I got to hang out with him a little bit this summer, but definitely not four nights worth of hanging. Yeah. So I'm excited to learn from him too, because obviously he knows, you know. Yeah. 
I gotta work on my canoe stroke. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you got a paddle now. You have you own a nice paddle. I own a nice paddle. Time to you know work it out, baby. Hand handmade wooden paddle. Yeah. Um, and uh, just gotta get better. You know what else I'm looking forward to? Just like because we're talking about oh, I guess it's it's September, fall's coming, and we're like wow, what a summer. And we're just talking mm-hmm. about the future of the rest of the year. I, I'm looking forward to, and also the next year. I'm looking forward to ice fishing a lot. Mm-hmm. You were saying that. Mm-hmm. I can't wait to go ice fishing. Honestly, I want to. Where love do you want to go first? Well, I don't know. It's a good question. Like, I want to go up to Tomogamy and I want to go up to Elk Lake and like maybe fish some of those back lakes for like what be it pike or walleye or or like trout. You know, that'd be so crazy to catch a brook trout through the ice. I've never done that. That'd be awesome. And then. Uh, Obviously Simcoe, like Lake Simcoe, let's just go like fish for a white fish. I, get, I haven't ice fished a lot in the last, you know, I don't know, 10 years really because mm-hmm. I've been just away from that kind of world, I feel like. so. But I'm really mm-hmm. not. I'm really not. So it's like, let's let's just do it. Let's go out and ice fish more because it's fun. I'm with, I'm with you, man. I mean, that uh, obviously the winter camping trip we took with Tamagami, yeah. but then also I took a day trip with Adis. Yeah who's been doing a lot of our photos recently, mm-hmm. um, joining us on our trips. Uh, he, we, him and I went to Simcoe for the day and, you know, caught a huge white fish. Oh yeah. And that was so fun. And like, what, the, uh, it's not even an hour drive. No, it's not. You know what you should do? What? Now that I'm thinking about this, how fun this what? could be. Um, I think that you and all, you and Yilmi because we me? were like, we were like, yo, are you guys going to have a good trip? Oh, hope future me knows how to get trip. All that stupid shit we were talking about a little while ago. Why don't you and Yilma like <laughs> five, five minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. Why don't, why don't you and Yilma record yourselves like uh, in a tent one night, just like at the, towards the end of your trip about how the trip's been. And I'll just plop it in to the last like five minutes of the show. This show right here? This show right now. I think that's a great idea. Well, here's me and Yilma in... <laughs> The middle of the Tomogamy Wilderness. Thanks, everybody. Hey, this is actually, uh, this is Mitch. Uh, and I'm, I'm recording this weeks later while editing the show. Uh, they did go to Tomogamy, and they did go and catch a ton of brook trout. And uh, Aldo and, and Yelma had a totally good time, and it was a huge success of a trip. And then I texted Aldo and said, do you have the clips? And he's like, man, we were just too slammed. We didn't even have the time to record the clips. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I mean, I can tell you basically probably how it went. Uh, Aldo and Yilma canoed a lot and, uh, fished a lot and covered a lot of water and caught like some really nice fish and ate some nice food and had some laughs. I mean, that's pretty much always how the fishing trips go, you know? Um, <laughs> so anyway, sorry, uh, that we didn't record that, but, uh, you know, uh, at least at least here, at least I'm here, right? Okay, so thanks so much, everybody. Um, back to the show. Wow, that sounds like one heck of a good trip. <laughs> My God, that trip was crazy. crazy I, uh, who would have guessed Thought that all of those things, things would have, have happened. happened? And you guys would have just like reminisced like that. Um, anyway, Jen Ripple, that was awesome getting to know you and chatting about um, Dunn Magazine. Mm-hmm. Everybody, check out the show notes on SoundCloud for the links to. Jen's Instagram, Dunn's Instagram, and also where you can read her magazine, all that amazing content. Um, thanks for listening, everybody at home. Uh, that's it for me, Mitch, Aldo. Yeah, thanks, everybody. And a, a little sidebar of a thanks to Susan, uh, you know, our former yes. guest, for introducing us to Jen. Um, it's cool that, uh, you know, Jen mentioned a network of like-minded female anglers, and that's definitely 
it's definitely cool to, to get introduced to um, that network through Susan. So yeah, uh, thanks, Susan. Thanks, and Susan. thanks, Jen, obviously, for your time and the yeah. work you do with, uh, <clears throat> with the magazine and, and uh, the organiz organizations that you're part of. And I uh, hope you solve that pesky Asian carp problem. Yes, absolutely. Everybody... I'm making it sound so simple. I'm like, I well, I hope you fix the button on your shirt. I know. It's like... <laughs> see, we'll <laughs> see. Exactly. It's, it's going to be yeah. a long road. Everybody, thanks mm -hmm. for listening and uh, take care. You can find all of SoFly's content at SoFly.ca. On Instagram, we're at the SoFly Crew. You can reach us at thesofflycrew at gmail.com with any questions, comments, or concerns. On Facebook, we're SoFly, and our podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify.